Welcome to Screen Cleaning, the show that is all about shining a spotlight on all that is good in entertainment here on BYU Radio. I'm Jeff Simpson. And I'm Cole Wessinger. And each and every week we do our darndest to give you only the good news in entertainment because we could focus on the gossip, the, the bad news, but we choose not to do that, Cole. And there's good news and good reviews to talk about today. It feels like movies are back, Jeff. It feels like we're back into the swing of things. We all, as a screen cleaning group, got to go to the movies this week. And <gasps> we're going to review the film that we saw. But like you said, first we talk about the good news. And for you, Jeff, and for fans of good, uplifting, feel-good movies, there was just about the best news we could have possibly gotten. There will be a Paddington 3. Jeff, what are the details? A Heavenly Choir is singing... Well, so far there aren't too many details. There are no details. What we do know is that Paul King is not returning to direct, but he will be involved in some way. I I don't feel great about that because the first two films were so near perfect that to put it into somebody else's hands I think is a mistake. But the style's been established. He's a little busy because he's going to be directing an origin story about... Willy Wonka. Oh, good. And speaking of origin stories, we got a trailer. (laughs) Finally, we've been seeing pictures, I feel like, for years of uh, Emma Stone as Cruella Devil or Deville, if you will. And it looks like the trailer makes it look like this is Disney's version of the Suicide Squad, right? Like she's their Harley Quinn. Yeah, it's Cruella Joker edition. As well. So uh, I don't mean to name drop, and so I won't. But I do have a friend that went to see one of those <gasps> Emma Stone? early. Well, uh, not exactly. Okay. I said I was not going to name drop. Jeffrey. All right. Joaquin Phoenix. No. All right. Not Glenn Close either, who already did a live action 101 Dalmatians, yes. by the way, playing Cruella. Anyway, uh, so I have a friend who got to see one of those early screenings before all the CGI is cooked and yeah. where they wanted some audience reactions. Right. And he did say, yeah, it feels like they're doing a Cruella, like, as the Joker. But he said that he liked it even more than he liked Joker. And it's going to be PG-13 for sure because it's Disney. But it, like, walks up to the edge and kind of pushes things without actually doing any content that people would be worried about. Sure. I think it looks good. And I I look forward to seeing it for sure. Um, Another trailer that we got... The not-so-family-friendly, not Disney, not even in the Disney wheelhouse, the Mortal Kombat trailer, which, unlike the PG-13 version from the 90s that had a very incredible soundtrack that I remember because I had older brothers who were constantly listening to it and constantly playing that video game, you're going to have to you'll have to be careful with this one, even with the trailer, because it was a red band trailer, as I discovered, maybe a little too late. <laughs> so an, another uh, TV show here that was announced, though, that we can look forward to is a Wednesday Adams live action TV show directed by who else, Jeff? Tim, Tim Burton. Burton. Well, they've got to get they've got to get Christina Ricci to play, even though she's a little too old to play the part. Because Tim Burton directed Christina Ricci in a couple of films, right? And Chloe Grace Moretz is the one that lent the voice to Wednesday Addams in the most recent Addams Family animated. Uh, also probably too old to play an actual, like, 11-year-old Wednesday, but it'll be interesting, you know? This is what the future is. We get 
exactly, you know, we get TV shows and we get to explore the universes of these things that we never thought about before. Sure. And it's a big day for streaming, too, because one of the most buzzed about movies, uh, at least in the awards circuit right now, oh, definitely. is Nomadland, which is out today on Hulu, which is big news. And then maybe a movie that is probably not going to get a single award, but it's also out today on Disney+. Plus. You can watch it at no extra cost is a film called Flora and Ulysses. And I was actually blessed to get an advanced screening of this movie, and I was able to enjoy it with my children who loved it. And let's just back up a minute and talk about what this movie is and maybe what it's based on. Yeah, because, I mean, this is one of those streaming things I didn't even notice was going to be showing up, right? Right. They, They do big marketing pushes for things like Cruella, right, for Disney. But then because they're basically Netflix now, they also just need a lot of content. So they sneak some of these at you without really advertising. So I know nothing whatsoever other than you've seen it. So. I knew that it was based on a book. I didn't know who the author was, though. Come to find out, it's by Kate DiCamillo, who wrote The Tale of Despero, you may have heard of, or Because of Wind Dixie, both of which were adapted into movies of their own. And it stars Allison Hannigan and Ben Schwartz as these in the process of being divorced parents of this young girl who maybe she's had too much of a taste of real life And so she's a self-proclaimed cynic. And at the beginning of the movie, she is selling all of her comic books, which she really loves, to the local comic book owner portrayed by Bobby Moynihan. It's got a fun cast in it. Danny Pudi is in it, Janine Garofalo, Kate Micucci. And she is selling these comic books and putting them behind her, which is a big move for her because her dad is an artist who – if. What's the artist's equivalency of uh, writer's block? Uh, Artist drawing block? block. Drawing block. It's what he has. Gotcha. And for some reason, it puts him in such a funk that he separates from his wife and is just in this funk. He's working at this local Staples-esque shop and just not really going anywhere in life. But this girl, one day sees this cute little squirrel running around in this yard, and there is this robotic lawnmower that is malfunctioning and accidentally runs over this squirrel. Uh, And the squirrel gets sucked up into the bag, and Flora is able to resuscitate this squirrel that she then names Ulysses because the name of the robotic vacuum is Ulysses. And wouldn't you know it, being sucked up in that little lawn mower, that robotic lawn mower, is all it takes for this squirrel to develop superpowers. There we go. And it's really cute to see not only this squirrel with superpowers, but what I really appreciate about it is that this is an event that creates this bond between this daughter and father. And it ultimately starts to create this bond between the the parents that are separated. And so there's a little bit of a hope that there's some reconciliation there. There are some heavy themes for this Disney Plus movie. I was watching it with my now nine-year-old who struggles a little bit with anxiety and worries that, you know, something's going to happen to her parents. And so I kind of spent the whole movie 
gauging her reaction. Like, mm-hmm. oh, what is she thinking of this movie? Is she going to be okay with this? Thankfully, this is not one of those movies that uh, sent her into a spiral. <laughs> and it is just a cute, fun movie with a with a good cast. Danny Pudi comes up as this type of exterminator that is trying to get rid of this squirrel who just keeps wreaking havoc wherever he goes. Danny Pudi, known for my favorite sitcom ever, Community, and also he's on DuckTales, Larry. That's right. Woo! In fact, I read a little tidbit that uh, Danny Pudi, Bobby Moynihan, and a couple of these other characters also appeared on DuckTales. So there's that little through line there. It is on Disney+. Plus. Pretty tame, although there are some slightly heavy themes for younger people. But uh, I recommend it. If you're looking for a fun, fun, cute movie to watch this weekend, Flora and Ulysses on Disney+. Plus. And you know what? I lied because I, do, I did know a little bit about it because I'd heard of the book. Kate DiCamillo actually appeared as an interviewee on our children's book program, World's Awaiting, that also airs on Saturday on BYU Radio. So if you're curious about some of the writer's process that goes behind the book that this movie was based on after you watch it with your family, check out the podcast for World's Awaiting. It's at the same place where you get your podcasts for screen cleaning, which is anywhere you get podcasts and also BYU Radio. Now – You mentioned another movie that we're going to review that we actually got to go see in the movie theater. And it's finally here where we live. And uh, so we're excited to talk about the movie, another movie that is doing quite well in the awards circuit. As it should. Minari. Cole, who does this movie star? What's it about? And why is it getting so much buzz? Steven Yeun of Walking Dead fame stars as a father of Korea, the that brings his family over from Korea to America. And first they land over in California, but we pick up on the story as they're traveling across the country to Arkansas, to the middle of nowhere, to live in a double wide on this land that may or may not be cursed, that they, like everyone (laughs) that lives on this land seems like they can't do anything with it. But it's just his humble man's dream to live the American dream and just be a farmer, to, to have a little garden that expands into a little bit of a bigger garden and just to kind of provide for his family and be someone that his kids can look up to. Right. And so uh, right from the beginning, you you understand that during the day, they're going to do what they've been doing for years and they're going to do sexing, which is looking, taking a look at these baby chicks and just very simply putting the boys in a blue basket putting the girl chicks in a white basket. Mm -hmm. So I could see how that would be very repetitive, not the life that they had hoped or dreamed of. And so that's why they've come to Arkansas to start this farm and go after their, or at least the husband's dream. Yeah, they've come to Arkansas, but it's his dream to do a little bit more. His wife came along with the kids. Very clear early on that things are not going well between this couple couple of adorable kids who oh, yeah. you can tell have really gotten used to, okay, mom and dad are fighting again. And one of the most heartbreaking scenes, when I told my wife about it, she her lip even started to quiver. These two kids making these paper airplanes and drawing on them or writing on them, don't fight. Don't fight. And then throwing the paper airplanes mm. at their parents who are arguing in the kitchen. Oh, it's – so you – And that's, that's filmmaking, man. Like – you want to tell, like, as as you're writing a movie, right, as you're writing the screenplay, you want to convey, hey, the parents have fought before and the kids sure. are kind of used to this. And just that was the most 
wonderfully heartbreaking and just imaginative way of doing it. Like the kids are used to this. They they have a method, right? They they go in and the the daughter says to the little boy, like, write it real big, you know, don't fight. And yeah, it's little moments like that that make a great movie. Yeah. And it's certainly one of those movies that you, you kind of feel like, okay, it's going to go in this direction. It doesn't go in that direction. So then you pivot. Okay, well, it's going to go in this direction, and it doesn't go in that direction either. So you do kind of spend some time thinking, where is this going? But there are actually – I know we've kind of talked about some heavier elements of this film. There is actually a lot of humor in this film. You know, you get to see the uh, – you get to see glimpses of some of the local country bumpkins and, you know, the uh, the main character played by Stephen Yoon decides that, you know, I'm not going to listen to this water diviner who's just trying to swindle me out of $300 who is just pointing this stick and, you know, divining where this water well is that I can use. So he decides he's going to find his own water. And he hires some local help in the form of Will Patton. I think this is my favorite Will Patton performance ever. Will Patton was in Remember the Titans, if you're trying to put a face. He was the assistant coach to Denzel Washington's coach. Now, I don't want them to gain another yard. Yes, and he's very different in this role. I've never seen him in a role quite like this. He's kind of like this this very religious tongue-speaking zealot that, you know, will cast out devils from the farm and their house and, you know... Very earnest. Taken out of context, yeah, taken out of context, you might think, oh, this guy's a lunatic, but he is so earnest and he's um, he's so humble in his beliefs and in his religious practices that it really isn't funny. But the acting is quite good, I think, from Will Patton, among, as well as from among the entire cast. The grandmother, who is just this foul-mouthed, uh, fun-loving woman who comes over to ease the burden of this family and then maybe does more harm than good. The little boy who has a, a heart murmur does not hit it off well with the grandma despite the fact that she's like the funniest person in the world. Well, and and it's because she's been over in Korea for a lot of the time of his he's supposed to be like 5 or 6 or something of that and uh so he's he's not really familiar with her but he is becoming more Americanized as he's raised in California and then Arkansas and she's just not what we're told that good white grandmas do. She doesn't bake cookies or live in a house over the river and through the woods and kind of thing and tell them stories. She's different and he's not used to that and he has to learn to love her just as a person and not as what we think a stereotype grandma should be. Sure. Cole, I don't know if when you were watching this film, you were just, uh, you had a mental checklist going because I know that this movie is being nominated for various awards. But in my mind, I just had this checklist going, okay, best picture, uh uh-huh, it'll be nominated for that. Uh Uh-huh, best actor, Steven Yeun. Uh, uh Uh-huh, best musical score, best cinematography. Oh, gosh, yeah. Um, And I think that the grandma could get nominated for best supporting actress. I'm holding out hope, and it would be a dark horse uh, candidate that Will Patton would get a best supporting actor (laughs) nominee. But the— 
really, the score, the cinematography are two elements of that film that really stood out to me a lot. And Lee Isaac Chung is the director and screenwriter for it. And whether it's original screenplay or best director, I think he should get some kind of a nod, too. This really is, I know it's... February of the year after we're normal talking, <laughs> but this is the first like awards baity, good awards kind of movie that I've seen for 2020. It's definitely one I think both and both Cole and I wouldn't hesitate to recommend. Um, it is pretty heavy, despite the the many moments of humor that you'll find in this film. However, there's more than one reason we're talking about this movie, and it's not just because it's a, an award-worthy movie that just happens to be one that we got to see it in the movie theaters. Why else are we talking about it, Cole? Yeah, as much as the stars were the star of this movie, Arkansas was kind of the star of this movie. The setting could not have been anywhere else but this small town that embodies what we want the American dream to be, just land as far as the eye can see, beautiful trees, and, and the best of what the southern end of the Ozarks can be. So we got to thinking, like, what are some other great Arkansas movies, and, and we couldn't come up with any, but that expanded into a bigger conversation. What are the other movies that represent the other states across America? Like we said, Nomadland is another awardsy movie that comes out today that's about Francis McDormand just living on the land and bumming around the entire U.S. of A. And so we thought, what could represent our country more than the movies that are there? And that's what we're going to explore each state's definitive movie when we come back here on Screen Cleaning. What a wonderful day to be in the house of the Lord. If you're here with us for the first time, please stand. What a beautiful family. Glad you're here. Trenton's in New Jersey, north of Jefferson, Missouri. You got Richmond in Virginia, South Dakota has Pierre, Harrisburg's in Pennsylvania, and the Gulf up in Maine. And here is Providence, Rhode Island, next to Dover, Delaware. Welcome back to this very special episode of Screen Cleaning, where we are taking a look at the movies from the various 50 states. And what's, what sprung this conversation was the fact that we went and saw Minari, which takes place in Arkansas. We actually will be talking about Arkansas today, but we've already kind of talked about it. But, uh, Cole, I don't know about you. When I was looking at this list alphabetically, I was starting to think of that song I learned in elementary school. Alabama, Alaska, Arizona, Arkansas, California, Colorado, Connecticut. We'll stop there. Some people in the seventh grade learn it that way. I just look at a map. And so instead of going alphabetically, we're actually dividing the United States into two halves geographically. You're throwing me off here, Cole. Today we are tackling the western United States, which includes... Arkansas, highlight movie, Minari. Um, and then in a couple weeks, we will talk about the eastern United States. So this is a two-parter episode of Screen Cleaning. We wanted to give time. I mean, we're only about a 50-minute podcast, folks. And so to cover 50 states in a single podcast would be about a minute a state. If you know my what math I, degree pays off. I should have created a song with the movie's titles in, inserted into the states. You then got, we could fit them all in in one episode. Well, yeah, and then we could just run through... Very fast. Maybe. I don't know. Give, me some, give me some time. I'll All figure right. it out. All right. I'll help you out. <laughs> so Arkansas, we're starting at the Mississippi, right? It's a very convenient place. Uh, divides our country in half. And Arkansas is right on the Mississippi. Uh, Arkansas, movie, Minari. 
covered. Right below Arkansas, the boot of the the man, the chef that is uh, the middle of our country, if you're familiar. Look at a map of our country. Uh, <laughs> Minnesota is like the chef's hat. And then uh, Tennessee is like his pan. And Kentucky is like a piece of chicken that he's flipping up. And Louisiana is the boot. Now I'm hungry bottom. for KFC, Cole. You're welcome. Uh, so Louisiana is the very end of the Mississippi. The Delta pours out. And Louisiana has a treasure trove of movies that just embody the South and New Orleans especially and the history that is there. You know, Cole, I might surprise you. I'm looking at this list of films that take place in Louisiana. I might surprise you to say that for me personally, and this I'm only saying this because this is a movie I've seen more than any of these others – Steel Magnolias. I grew up with three older sisters, uh, so you better believe that movie was watched in my household. So Julia Roberts in an Oscar-nominated performance and uh, Shirley MacLaine in a scene-chewing role as well as Sally Field, Dolly Parton, Olympia Dukakis. So many great actresses in this movie. That's my pick for Louisiana. Uh, I would like to give a shout out to Scooby-Doo Goes to Zombie Island. Really? Which happens <laughs> in the New Orleans Bayou as well. But uh, there is another better animated movie that is from the Disney family. Disney tries to take us to different places around the world with their mythology. And The Princess and the Frog is not only the best American-based Disney movie, but it's a New Orleans and Louisiana one too. Okay. Well, so... That was the frying pan, or that was the the piece of chicken? Louisiana's at the very bottom. They're the boot. Oh, the boot. Like, think of Greece over in Europe. Yeah. It's like a boot. Okay. Louisiana's shaped just more like an American boot. So what's next, then? So we're going up. North of that is Arkansas, and north of that is Missouri. Ah, Missouri. Good old Missouri. I would have to go with Waiting for Guffman. One of the first of those mockumentaries from Christopher Guest, who did This is Spinal Tap and Best in Show and A Mighty Wind, Waiting for Guffman is my favorite because it deals with community theater, and which is something I'm passionate about. But also these people that are deluded into thinking that they're going to become these great big stars by putting on this community show that uh, commemorates the history of their town in Blaine, Missouri. St. Louis has that arch that is the gateway to the West, right? This is how we're exploring the Western United States. And so even though Missouri is exactly in the center geographically of our country, it's the Wild West when you look at the history of our country. And so as we're going to see in a lot of these southwestern states, westerns are a real theme going on here. The assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford I knew you took place in Missouri. But uh, I mentioned St. Louis and... Meet me in St. Louis is probably the one that I'm going to pick officially. Okay. So that was the chicken. Okay. Missouri (laughs) is the middle of the dude. It's like his hand reaching out to hold the pan. Okay. It's next to. All right. North of that is the guy's head on the map. And that's Iowa, the Hawkeye state, if the Iowa Hawkeyes football team is correct. Iowa. That's part of a song from the movie The Music Man, which is definitely my pick for Iowa because I grew up watching, loving that movie. I would venture to say that that is my favorite musical of all is time. Is River City an actual place in Iowa? You know, I don't or know. Or is it just kind of fictional? But there's a great song about it. And I also know that in Iowa there is uh, – You've got trouble in River right City. Right here in River City. And uh, with a capital T and that rhymes with P and that stands for pool. That stands for pool. Thank you.
That wasn't my Harold Hill impersonation, <laughs> but I know some of the lyrics. I'm shocked, Jeffrey, that you, I mean, I guess I know that you love the music, man, but there are two great Iowa picks here for you specifically because you also love to the point where you were considering going to the state of Iowa when they announced that a real-life baseball game would be played I know. on the Field of Dreams field. Yeah. Iowa, if you build it, he will come. He being Harold Jeffrey Hill? Oh. and also Kevin Costner's dad. But I like you're saying Harold Hill. The cornfields of Iowa are embodied. Now, that's a movie that could not be anywhere else, right, Jeff? Like, all these other ones, like, yeah, it happens in River City, right? But, like, the Iowa cornfield where he carves it out and builds that baseball stadium – that has to be in Iowa. I know, but there's there's bound to be another sports movie that's going to pop up on list on this list, right? So what's after Iowa? So let's go north to Minnesota, known for its hockey oh, yeah. and sports movies. Hmm. Miracle starts off in Minnesota. He was a coach of the University of Minnesota. Or was he a coach of Boston? Anyway, the Boston and Minnesota kids <laughs> both have a rivalry going on. Minnesota uh, is the place where in Inside Out they move from before going to even more west and mm. out to San Francisco. So when the little girl in Inside Out is a big fan of hockey, it's because she's, of course, from Minnesota. But like the hockey movie from Minnesota is the Mighty Ducks. Mighty Ducks, when they're doing the roll call in D2, the Mighty Ducks, and they're saying, where are you from? Almost every single one of those kids on the USA team is from Minnesota, right? That's accurate. But then you've also got to mention Fargo, the movie Fargo, uh, which is in Minnesota and spawned a four-season television series of the same name. You got to find. You got to go with Fargo, the the. Academy Award-winning film starring Frances McDormand, who's out in Nomadland today. Yeah, the, our best leading actress, probably frontrunner for the year 2020 for her performance in Nomadland. Right to the west of Minnesota, though, the, the reason I didn't mention Fargo is because to the west of Minnesota is the state of North Dakota where the city of Fargo is in, but the majority of the movie Fargo does actually take place in Minnesota, which is confusing. Like, if you look at a map, Fargo, North Dakota is a place, but it's only where the movie starts and then the majority takes place in Minnesota. So what is our like go-to North Dakota movie if it can't be Fargo? Well, everybody loves an X-Men movie in North Dakota, right? I'm talking, of course, of Logan. I assume everyone loves an X-Men movie in all 50 states. Right. This is the, this is the sad, depressed, uh, drunkard Logan Wolverine movie that uh, was the last the the last film in Hugh Jackman's tenure as Logan, right? Yeah, they on their journey on this this western of an X Men movie, they end up in North. That's their like final place where they're trying to get to. And if you haven't seen either of these movies, you should know that they're not movies to watch with kids, <laughs> right? Just south of North Dakota is the state of South Dakota. Now, South Dakota won the Dakota Lottery because they got. Mount Rushmore. And that is an actual landmark that you can put movies around. I don't know. It's been a while since I've seen North by Northwest. And so I forget where the whole movie takes place. But I know they go to Mount Rushmore eventually. And so that's probably the one I'm going to pick because I can't remember many other movies. Yeah. Anyway, that was really bad. That North by Northwest for sure. And Dances with Wolves, a Best Picture winner from Kevin Costner. We gotcha. gotta mention that one. The plain states. I mean, that makes sense. That yeah, it's gonna be up there. Yeah. Then we have Nebraska. 
Hmm. Now, what movie was was made in Nebraska? Well, there was one that had Will Forte in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was it called? Bruce the, Dern, just, maybe too. Yeah. Oh, Nebraska. Oh yeah, yeah. That's a very quiet, subdued. It's kind of a dramedy. The and black and white fits, right? It was right. a black and white movie that came out in like 2013-ish. And a really different movie for both Bob Odenkirk and Will Forte, who are used to comedy, right? So, and an Academy Award-nominated film for Bruce Dern and June Squibb, his wife, his long-suffering wife. But not a lot of people saw Nebraska, even though it was nominated for Best Picture. So what's maybe a more common movie that happened to take place in that state? Well, you mentioned sports movies, and I mentioned how they would pop up here again. And Caddyshack seems to be one that people are well familiar with. But maybe they didn't know it took place in Nebraska. But now you do. The Upper Plains have a a few movies that you don't realize took place there. And so we're going to venture west a little bit more and get to Montana, where a river runs through it. A river runs through Montana? I'm pretty sure a river makes up the entire western border of Montana, but it also runs through, and there was a movie called A River Runs Through It. Okay. I'll mention a movie that we mentioned recently on our show. And by the way, if you want to hear me talk about the movie Arrival, and if you want to hear Cole defend Arrival, I think that gives you a little hint of what I thought of it, Uh then you'll want to look up our past episodes on Screen Cleaning Podcast. If you just Google Screen Cleaning Podcast, you'll be able to access well over 100 episodes there for you to review, and uh, you're going to enjoy it because – Just like in most of the things that we talk about here on the show, Cole and I don't always see eye to eye, and we certainly didn't on Arrival. The aliens arrived in Arrival in the middle of Montana. Uh, They they arrived in the the river that runs through Montana. Gotcha. But very, like, (laughs) the drone shots, right, establishing, it got to show off. Montana, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in this little valley, it just it looked perfect. It looked picturesque, the the kind of half bean spaceship that they come down in. It looked like it, it belonged right there. OK. It was nice. Well, what's next on the list, Cole? I, I am not I was never a I was never very good at geography, but you seem to be well familiar. I, I studied. Do you know what the capital of Montana is? Uh, Montana. Uh, it's not Fargo. I know that. Nope. Keep guessing. Butte. Is it Butte, Montana? Uh, Butte is a city in Montana. Oh, so but it's you not know one Butte. in in Toy Story two, the climax happens at an airport, and so all the toys are running around, you know, in the packing system and the delivery, how they get the packages onto the airplane. Anyway, Buzz is out running on the tarmac towards the end of it, and right across his rear end across his butte is a sticker that says butte yes which is a very fun nice joke. no the capital's helena montana helena montana of seventh course. grade geography yeah there you go planning. just south of montana is wyoming capital cheyenne hmm so wyoming is famous for more than just fireworks right I mean, that's where everybody in Utah goes to get their fireworks. Oh, yeah. Their deregulated uh, fireworks (laughs) laws, I guess, is what they're actually famous for. No, I mean, Wyoming is also big, wide-open country, right? So, of course, you have to have a couple westerns that take place there. Brokeback Mountain, right? Perfect, just western scenery of these two cowboys going out there. But I think the close encounters of the third kind is really 
the Wyoming. Kind oh, of. come on. I got to go with Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. That works too. Yeah. See, I always, I guess because I was familiar with the Sundance Film Festival in Utah, I assumed that because it was out west that it would be in Utah. They probably they filmed, probably filmed some of it yeah. there. Yeah, for sure. Uh, that brings up a different point. So we're talking about the movies that embody and are supposed to fictionally take place here. But another thing that a lot of these Western states have in common is that any old Western was just filmed in any old Western state for yeah. a period of time. And yeah. especially Utah kind of became famous for being a, a big filming location. You could do a lot worse, though, than Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. That's, I mean, that is one of the best Westerns out there. Venturing south in our journey across the United States, we get to Colorado, Rocky Mountain High, known for its ski slopes and Aspen and cold weather. And that's what we see in some of the movies, too. Just picture, like, a brief violin shriek as the day of the week is popping up on screen. What does that bring to mind, Cole? The Shining? Yes, the Overlook Hotel. Yeah. Where, in the middle of the Colorado mountains. Where caretakers check in, but they don't check out. Couldn't have been a more isolated place. It had to be up there in the wilderness where they couldn't reach anyone else and where it snows, you feel like you're all alone. And so you're allowed to go a little bit mad when all work and no play makes you a dull boy. Where he's He's going out there for the isolation of Colorado in the first place. And that's what ends up driving him mad at the Overlook Hotel. Great. Uh, Red Dawn also takes place in Colorado. Those kids. More like Red Yawn. Wolverines! Am I right? Am I right? Nah, that's an exciting. <laughs> that's that's one of those. Uh, that that's one of the most violent movies I think ever to. That was part of like the PG thirteen change, right? Mid eighties. They're trying to develop this new rating system, and uh, Red Dawn pushed the limits. Right, one of the more violent movies of uh, film history. But the kids went to co- went to school in Colorado before they went on their little adventure to fight back against the invaders. How about one more before we take a break here? All right. And so Kansas. Hmm. Kansas is is next up. And I don't think we're in Kansas anymore if you talk about The Wizard of Oz. But I don't want to talk about The Wizard of Oz. I want to talk about a movie that actually takes place in Kansas, Jeff, just because it's one of the most famous lines in movie history. You mean The Wizard of Oz? No, there's no way The Wizard of Oz just took place on some back lot at some major studio in Hollywood, Cole. It took Don't place tell over me. the rainbow. There you go. I, you were about to ruin my childhood there. No, it there, started Cole. in Kansas, though. Okay. All right. But but just because the beginning and end in black and white happened in Kansas, surely there's a more Kansasy movie out there. I can think of another black and white movie that takes place in Kansas. Okay. Peter Bogdanovich's Paper Moon, which I think is a fantastic film, also nominated for several Oscars. If you're not familiar with Peter Bogdanovich, he did What's Up, Doc? What's up, Doc? Yeah. What's up, Doc? So it's this fun – it's not as broad of a comedy as What's Up, Doc, but it is a fun road trip father-daughter, real-life father-daughter of Ryan and Tatum O'Neill comedy. And I think it's a sweet film. you got to check it out. All the Superman movies also start off in Kansas. And so that's another just Kansas shout-out. But the whole TV show of Smallville takes place in Smallville, Kansas. 
I'm not familiar, but I know you are, Cole. It's Superman. It's comic books. Well, okay, we've done it, Cole. We've gotten through about a fourth of the country, and when we return, we're going to give you another slice of the movies that make up our wonderful country of movies. And uh, that's up next here on Screen Cleaning. You are not in Kansas anymore. You are on Pandora, ladies and gentlemen. Respect that fact every second of every day. Oklahoma, where the wind comes sweeping down the plain. Pop quiz, Jeffrey. What state do you think is next that we're going to talk about? It's it's south of Kansas. We just talked about Kansas and not being in Kansas anymore. Well, I really north know, of Texas. I really know my geography, and I know that that song was in the movie Dave. Where, Just wait, they're trying to give you a hint here. Uh, where he sings it, but he lives in Washington, D.C. And I'm no geography expert. That can't be Washington, D.C., which is not actually a state, even, so it wouldn't come up in this conversation. I think we should talk about it anyway in a couple of weeks when we cover the eastern United States on Screen Cleaning's 50 States, 50 Movies Journey. This is the Oklahoma. western United States, and this is Oklahoma time, Oklahoma, yes. Where uh, we're going to talk about the movie... Oklahoma. Twister, yeah. Oh, wait, what? Okay. <laughs> Twister's my favorite Oklahoma movie. All right. I That was back when I kind of had a crush on Helen Hunt. Makes sense. Well, I mean, there's also Oklahoma, right? Which I've never actually seen. Really? Never seen You did seen not it. watch enough Turner Classic movies growing up. I have not seen the movie. I have not seen the musical. I'm familiar with the song, though, and if it wasn't for the song, I probably wouldn't know how to spell Oklahoma. O-K-L-A-H-O-M-A. Thank you. Oklahoma, with an exclamation mark, if I'm not mistaken, at the end of that movie's title. Now it is Texas, where everything's bigger and a lot of the movies are bigger, too. There is a lot of Texas film to talk about, and it brings up one of the themes that we're going to get to talk about in, in a few of the eastern states, too, where passionate filmmakers make movies about where they are from. There's there's a few iconic Texas movies, right? We're going to talk about some westerns, talk about a lot of other things, but Richard Linklater especially grew up in Texas and loves setting his movies in Texas. Boyhood, more than just the movie about a young boy growing up, is about a young boy growing up in Texas specifically. They go to an Astros game. He's going to Austin for school whenever he graduates from high school, and, and it is just as much Texas as it is the kid. It's interesting because I looked up uh, the filmmakers Joel and Ethan Cohen, thinking, okay, where are they from? They're from Minnesota, so no surprise they did a movie called Fargo. Fargo. But they also did my favorite Texas movie, which uh, was No Country for Old Men. And that one is – I remember seeing that for the first time in the movie theaters – and it was almost like watching Heath Ledger in The Joker or in The Dark Knight where you don't breathe. Mm. I didn't breathe for several scenes in that movie because of Javier Bardem and his terrifying Academy Award winning performance as Anton Chigurh. Texas is big enough that it feels like it should be a lot of different states because when you look at the different – like there's Alamo movies that are around San Antonio, right? And There's no basement in the Alamo. Okay, so not Pee Wee's – I mean I'm talking about the movie <laughs> called Alamo where 
it's about the Alamo or Davy Crockett, right? Those kind of things. Those are Texas movies. But even if you get a little Eastern to like out in Corpus Crispy, where Selena. Did you just say Corpus Crispy? <clears throat> now you're getting me hungry again, Cole. That crispy original recipe from Colonel Sanders. Snap, crackle, and pop. It's Corpus Christi. <laughs> and I would be remiss if I didn't mention Selena, a artist that grew up in Texas and kind of embodied that Tex-Mex and the and the conflict between Stop two it. different cultures. You keep naming all these food terms, Cole. <laughs> and she had a movie based on her real-life story called Selena. And then you get all the just classic westerns of West Texas. Hell or High Water is a modern interpretation, but I think the best western ever made was The Searchers with John Wayne, also takes place in Texas. I disagree. I mean, I don't disagree about it being made in Texas. But Thank you. It's not my favorite it's Western. <laughs> and then, I mean, there's, I always have to mention the movie that's got the name in the title, right? Oklahoma was the Oklahoma movie. And yes. Texas Chainsaw Massacre also happens to take Ooh, place in Texas. Let's not talk about that one. Okay. Makes me not so hungry scary. anymore. Scary, scary. Yeah. Okay. So what's next? Uh, just west of West Texas is New Mexico, where, sure, there's a few movies, but hmm. can we start by talking about Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, oh, which yeah. is much more New Mexico-y than any movie that comes to the top of my mind. El Camino is a movie that was filmed in New Mexico. Yeah, we'll count so it. there you go. Netflix original. Of that same, you know, universe. Yeah, that's really... Oh, Cole, you mentioned your favorite Western. Can I mention mine? I guess so. The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. That was serviceable. Yeah, sure. Thanks. That was that was good enough. The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. The best Western, in my opinion. This big, epic, long movie with these three great characters that have this big standoff at the end. Oh, gosh, I love it. I have to watch it again. All right, we're staying in the wild, wild west to go a little west of New Mexico for Arizona. Please never mention that film ever again. Yeah. Oh, with where, Will Smith where was the and wild, Kevin Klein. Wow, wow, West. <laughs> Great song. Great peak, <laughs> late 90s. Will Smith rapping. Surely that was somewhere in these. Why didn't we mention? Why didn't Wow, Wow, West make the list, Avery? It's not a good movie. That's what we get why. for trusting a kid. <laughs> Arizona. Are we talking about the Coen brothers again? Yes. Kooky, fun, Looney Tunes movie by the Coen brothers starring Nicolas Cage, Holly Hunter, and John And a live Goodman. action Looney Tune. It really is. The way Nick Cage is acting in that one. Well, that's what, he, that's what he said. Like Woody Woodpecker was kind of his inspiration for that movie, hence the really crazy hair that he has. And the Woody Woodpecker tattoo that he's gotten on one of his arms in that movie. Ha 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 ha. Very good. So, yeah, I don't, I'm, I'm happy with Raising Arizona. I don't and think it's, we have to mention anything else. It's got the state else. in the title. Yeah. Perfect pick. Okay. So what else, Cole? Well, Jeff, it's the state that we're sitting in right now that's just north of Arizona. Hmm. Utah, home of the Sundance Film Festival, and a lot of movies are made when they want to capture that western feel. They go out to the, the wilderness of Utah, but there's movies that are supposed to be in Utah, too. Yes. And I want to mention Tremors. Tremors was filmed, at least, in the state of Utah. One of my favorite B-horror movies that's actually genuinely funny and also genuinely scary. I will take any chance to talk about this Kevin Bacon, Fred Ward, Reba McIntyre movie 
that, uh, yeah, I'm so grateful that we're talking Utah and Tremors. I'm a big rock climber. Uh, I'm, I'm a oh fan boy, of going, you're going indoor climbing, right? And so just the plastic holds on the wall that they bolt down, and that's good practice. But if you live in Utah for long enough, and I have, then you got to go outside at some point, and you got to think it's got to be in the back of your mind while you're climbing, especially if you're trying to free climb By alone. Yourself. James Franco in 127 hours. Where he gets stuck, Let's and it's stop. just him. Just stop, Cole. It's just him in oh. the wilderness of Utah, man versus nature. Cole, I, I, I know that you're a big rock climbing fan, and by all appearances, it looks like your rock climbing adventures have turned out much better than his did. I do have both arms still yes. on either oh. side of my torso, <laughs> so it's worked out okay, so far. Okay, we got to move on. we got to move on. Just north of Utah is... A, f- a movie that a lot of folks in Utah are a big fan of, but it's very, very Idahoan, and it's uh, Napoleon Dynamite. It has to be the Idaho movie for sure. Really? There's no other movie that, that comes to mind when you think of Idaho because the whole movie is – I mean some of these movies were filmed in these states. Some of these movies may have the state ti- or state name in the title. But this one, if you've ever been to Idaho, you know that this movie is incredibly Idaho all the way through and through. It's a, it's a love letter to a place and a time, right? Like it really managed to capture what it feels like. And that's – the setting is just important as the characters. A message to like aspiring filmmakers out yeah. there. Have a reason, right? We're talking about different movies that are in different states and, you know w- – Citizen Kane is the greatest movie that ever took place in wherever it takes place, probably New York or California, right? But it's like, gotta be California. It doesn't feel like a California movie, Correct. right? Napoleon Dynamite makes the setting as important as any of its memorable characters, too. If he can throw it over those mountains over there, then those mountains over there have to be in the state of Idaho, and Idaho is Napoleon Dynamite. Washington. We're up to the Pacific Northwest. So you, you move up kind of north in Idaho, past Coeur d'Alene, and you venture into Washington, a, a wet, rainy, evergreen kind of a state. Yeah. Now, I think it would be really easy to go with Sleepless in Seattle. But of the Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan collaborations, I wouldn't say that's my favorite. I probably prefer You've Got Mail, which is now an incredibly outdated movie, uh, to Sleepless in Seattle because I can't, I can't watch Sleepless in Seattle without seeing Meg Ryan as a stalker. She stalks Tom Hanks in this movie. And it's a little creepy, to be honest with you. Oh, if we're going to talk about creepy stalkers in the state of Washington, then, can I mention Twilight, which takes place in Forks, Washington? No. But if you want to talk other creepy shows slash movies that take place in Washington, we can talk about Twin Peaks, if you like. And it's a movie. Twin, there's a Twin Peaks movie. There's like, a movie which I have not seen. It's very rated R. It counts. And the, We're talking about movies. the Showtime revival series is also very rated R. So you have to be careful. But at one point, this was just a 90s uh, soap opera drama, primetime show that only lasted two seasons but sparked this crazy fandom that has lasted for decades. And it takes place in beautiful Washington. Modern television has moved the Bates Motel from... California, I think, or Arizona, somewhere kind of down there, up to the Pacific Northwest because it's like a logging town. So it's either Oregon or Washington. So I'll talk about Bates Motel as we transition down to Oregon. Yeah. Oh, and for me, 
It's got to be between – well, it's definitely the Goonies first comes to mind because that takes place in Astoria. They say in the movie Astoria. It's filmed there. I've been there, Cole. And another film that they shot there is Kindergarten Cop. But of the two, got to go Goonies all the way. I'll trust you with the Goonies. Uh, if we want to talk about the, the more wildernessy, older Oregon, this year, First Cow was an A24 movie. It might get some attention at the Oscars, so just be aware. And it took place in Oregon. Instead of moving down, because I, I kind of want to save the best for last for you. So let's kind of go more north to the great white north. Uh, the state that we have that's right next to Canada is Alaska. Alaska. Now, I know there's a movie called Mystery Alaska. There's another one that's just called Alaska that's about that is true. two kids that kind of get stranded in the snow. But looking at this, you know my heart belongs to Christopher Nolan Cole. And so I've got to go with his film that, that was filmed in and takes place in Alaska during the period of time where it's the sun always seems to be out, which really aids – uh, uh, Al Pacino's insomnia that he's experiencing in the movie insomnia. insomnia. And this is one of Christopher Nolan's earlier films. It is rated R, but it's a great cat and mouse thriller starring the bad guy is Robin Williams for some reason. And maybe Al Pacino is also kind of the bad guy. It really straddles that gray line very well. And you, you really start to Take a look at what are Al Pacino's motivations, what are Robin Williams' motivations. Hilary Swank is also in there. It's one of the best Christopher Nolan movies, and that's saying a lot. In my opinion, just a great cat and mouse thriller. And that could only take place in Alaska because of the sun right. being – and so on the opposite side of the calendar, though, because it's so north, there's a period of a month in Alaska where the sun doesn't come out at all. And so if mm. Forks, Washington is the perfect place for vampires because it's always just overcast and the sun I'm doesn't really shine. not going to let you talk about Twilight, Cole. In Alaska, where the sun doesn't even come up for 30 days, would be an even better place for vampires. And there's a horror movie with Josh Hartnett called 30 Days of Night. It's the one where he, he has a 30-day fast. And he's fighting vampires. Yeah. It's a vampire movie. He must have been really hungry. Uh, but can we also talk about Balto? Real, real I'll, story. I'll allow it. I'll story allow based it. on a real life dog. Sure. Saving people in the Alaskan wilderness. Kevin Bacon. Now I'm really getting hungry. The uh, that's Alaska was the fiftieth state, forty ninth state. Let's talk about the other addition, the the non continental United States, and go to the opposite climate of Alaska and talk about Hawaii. Hawaii. I know that this film was at least shot. In Hawaii, so we can mention it briefly, Jurassic Park. Fun tidbit, they were actually going to film Samuel L. Jackson's death scene in Jurassic Park, but because of this hurricane, they had to scrap that scene. I like it better that they didn't film it because it it gives you one of the greatest payoffs in the film with the arm on Laura Dern's shoulder. Anyway, I digress. My wife and I just watched Fifty First Dates for the first time. That definitely was filmed in and is a Hawaii movie. And one of the better Adam Sandler movies, I would I would venture to say. Yeah, sure. <laughs> you know I'm not like the biggest Adam Sandler fan. But you loved Hubie Halloween. 
Oh, not a Hawaiian a movie by any yeah, stretch guess. of the imagination. I guess not. But uh, if I'm t- going to talk about Balto for Alaska, the animated movie that I think captures Hawaii and that I enjoy the most is Lilo and Stitch. The song Hawaiian Roller Coaster Ride takes care of the Hawaiian aspect and the Hawaiian feel. You know, if Stitch is going to land anywhere, it's got to be in Hawaii. For sure. Okay. So does that only leave one more, or are there two more? So there's Nevada. Oh, Nevada. Which has Las Vegas, Sin oh, yeah. City. Ocean's Eleven. Ocean's Eleven. There you go. You're going to end plenty of movies that have, like, Las Ve- leaving Las Vegas or Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Like, Las Vegas has a lot of movies. Oh, I would go with Ocean's Eleven, hands I wanted down. to find a Reno movie, but I the biggest little city didn't quite make the list. It does show up in Arrested Development, though. I've made the biggest little mistake of my life. (laughs) (laughs) And that leads us to California, the last state on our Western journey. It's where Hollywood is, and it's where a lot of movies take place. Just like there are so many movies about New York, there are probably even just as many or if not more movies about and definitely filmed in California. And there's different parts of California, right? Like it feels weird to definitively say an L.A. movie is necessarily California. But, but like, I'm going to do it. It's got San Francisco. It's got Sacramento. It's got San but Diego. But I'm, I'm going to do it because I'm the only California native here, Cole. And so I'm going to go with the one that is nearest and dearest to my heart, at least right now. And that would be Damien Chazelle's La La Land. L.A. L.A. Land. The best picture winner of that year. Well. Hands down, no contest, absolutely no mistakes. Except for the Academy decided. they got it wrong, Cole, because this film will make you fall in love with Los Angeles, which if you've lived there as a kid and you loved it, but then you moved away and tried to come back and live there as an adult, totally different experience. So it made me fall in love with L.A. again. It made me fall in love with musicals again. And it made me fall in love with this this dynamic combo of Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone. And I, since then, have kept a close eye on the director, Damien Chazelle, who won the Academy Award for Best Director, Youngest Best Director winner ever for La La Land. The Lost World 2, Jurassic Park, goes to San Diego. The worst of the Jurassic Park franchise. Oof. Hands down. Oof. Yeah. That's rough. That's rough. And then uh, up north, I want to give a shout out to Northern California because with Hollywood taking place in Southern California, it doesn't get enough love. Lady Bird has to happen in Sacramento. She's so frustrated with like <laughs> what she feels is such a small town, even though if I were to go to Sacramento, it would be way, way bigger than what I'm used to. But I'm going to finally land on Vertigo being the <gasps> San Francisco, just seeing the Golden Gate Bridge there. Okay. You're driving me away with with talks of vampires and Twilight, but you roped me back in with Vertigo, an excellent movie. And uh, an excellent Alfred Hitchcock movie at that, with one of the greatest soundtracks ever made by Bernard Herrmann. That completes our road trip. Call us nomads uh, on the day that Nomadland <laughs> comes out. We've journeyed across half of the United States. In a couple of weeks, we'll venture across the other half, the eastern United States. But before we go away, before we leave you for this time, we're going to do what we always do and pan for a little good. There's good in them there hills. Yeah. <laughs> 
Jeffrey, you and I live in the state of Utah, and with Sundance having just concluded, we are now thinking about other movies that are being made in the state of Utah. There's another film festival coming up just next week, and we'll be talking about it here on Screen Cleaning with some exclusive reviews and insight from one of the people in charge of the LDS Film Fest that goes on every year around this time in the state of Utah. I'm excited for that, Cole, and not only because... It's going to give us an opportunity to actually go to a movie theater and enjoy a movie again. Any excuse that I get to go to the movie theaters, I'm going to take it. And get some popcorn. Did that bother you at Minari last night when I was sitting right next to you with a gigantic bucket of buttered popcorn? No. It's it's your thing. Wasn't too loud. I'm not tempted. I'm not. Yeah, I'm, the popcorn, I'm like, not one of those over folks. On you. Oh no, yeah, and all over the ground. And movie theaters are finally open again. We're just we gotta give them something to do. Right? I have to say, I'm grateful that movie theaters are are being cleansed more thoroughly these days because I had a friend once tell me about a time he went to the movie theater where he decided that's it. I'm done with movie theaters. He had looked over, and the person sitting next to him was eating a big bucket of highly buttered popcorn. And instead of using what most people would use to wipe off their hands, a napkin, right? Their or, own pants. Right. Anything. This person took his hand and rubbed it on the armrest Blech. on his seat. My friend saw that and said, never again. I'm sure he's been back since. It's true. Movie theater floors are less sticky than they used to be. No, Jeff was very clean with his popcorn. He was a pretty quiet eater. It didn't bother really? me at all. Oh, good. Um, I'm just, I don't love popcorn. Okay. I go to the movies for the movie, and next week we are going to review some of those movies that we see at the LDS Film Festival, movies made and shot here in the state of Utah. And then again, join us in a couple of weeks to hear part two of our 50 States, 50 Movies, as well as all of the other shows that you can catch on Screen Cleaning. You can find those by Googling Screen Cleaning Podcast. There you'll find over 100 episodes of Screen Cleaning, where we do our darndest to shine a spotlight on all that is good in entertainment. We hope we've done that here today, and we hope you've had a good time. I'm Jeff Simpson. And I'm Cole Wessinger. And we'll see you later.